This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Welcome to Raw Beauty Talks. I'm your host, Erin Trelore. Ready to peer behind the highlight reel and all those polished pictures of the world's biggest influencers and wellness experts, we're going to uncover what beauty, health, and wellness truly means in today's world. As someone who really struggled with disordered eating and negative body image, I became a health coach because I'm passionate about redefining health and wellness so that it's less about the weight on the scale and more about how we feel. Let's pull back the curtain for some raw beauty talks. I've been thinking a lot lately about the impact that media has on us as women as we age. The fact that it's so rare to see a more mature woman who hasn't had a lot of work done showing up in advertisements, uh, even playing roles in media. I can think of maybe two or three women who probably haven't had fillers and Botox and have allowed themselves to age naturally, who still have a place in film. And while some may say, well, this is really important, I think that this combined with the messaging that we receive about aging as women, it is really harmful. And it creates this, first of all, frantic energy in the younger years to try and accomplish everything by the time you're 30 or 40 years old. I mean, I've felt this drive for so long and I don't know exactly where it comes from, but the more I reflect on it, it becomes more and more obvious. You know, we have these top 30 under 30 lists and top 40 under 40 lists, and then those lists just disappear. Characters in movies and on TV, they're no longer at the center of the story. They're like these afterthoughts in the films. And all of this has an overarching theme or message that as women, we become less important as we age. And I have to say that something deep within is completely out of alignment with this type of messaging. I know that as a 38-year-old, I still feel really young. I still feel like I'm learning so much. And at the same time, I'm also just coming to a place that I feel more in alignment with my true self and more confident than I ever have in my entire life. And so in many ways, it feels like I am just getting started and have more to give than I've ever given before. So I can only imagine that other women in their 50s, 60s, and beyond feel a similar way. When you think about the messages that we receive in marketing campaigns about beauty, which is one of the things women are most valued for, as soon as we hit, (laughs) I think I was 25 when I first had somebody recommend to me an anti-aging product, but our skincare lines, everything that we are putting on our faces is about erasing our age, is about stopping it or slowing it down. And so I'm excited to lean into a chapter and to continue talking about this over on Raw Beauty Talks 
where I think it's time for a, a little revolution to happen, where we start seeing women of all ages show up more in media, in advertising campaigns. We've seen over the last decade some shifts and changes in the body diversity that we've seen. And now I'd like to see it coming at different angles, like seeing older women in these campaigns and celebrating their beauty and their wisdom and their strength and their grace and the things that they have learned in their lifetime. So I don't know who's on board to help me with this. I don't know exactly what our first steps are going to be, but we'll just start by talking about it. I mean, literally everything Raw Beauty Talks has always begun with a conversation. So Think about it yourself. How have these messages impacted the way that you feel about aging? How have they impacted the way that you've worked or lived in your earlier years? What beliefs do you carry about women of a certain age? And what would you like this world to look like? How would you like to feel as a more mature woman? Would you appreciate seeing women in their 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, and beyond shown in makeup campaigns. Should we erase this term anti-aging completely and have like pro-aging products that are designed to nourish us and sure, maybe help like remove some of the sunspots or whatnot. I'm not saying we have to change the nature of the products, but just the languaging around it. It feels so dated. On this topic today, (laughs) and because of this topic, I actually have not been this excited for a guest in a very, very long time. Dr. Gladys McGarry is joining me today. She is the co-founder of the American Holistic Medical Association and has worked in her own medical practice since a time when women didn't even have their own bank accounts. Over the past 60 years, she's pioneered a new way of thinking about disease and health that has transformed the way we imagine healthcare and self-care around the world. Dr. Gladys is 102 years old, and she logged in to Riverside.fm, where I record these episodes, looking just like this beam of light. She had this beautiful scarf on with her pins and her hair all tied up with this big braid. And she sat and we talked for 40 minutes about life and love, longevity. We talked about her diet. We talked about death. And I'm so excited for you to hear this conversation and the wisdom that this beautiful woman holds. Dr. McGarry just published a book. By the time this episode is released, the book will be available. I mean, I can, I'm just like beyond inspired by her. She's doing a podcast tour right now to promote her book at 102 years old. The book is called The Well-Lived Life. And in this episode, we talk about what Gladys feels is the most important thing to maintain longevity in your life. We get really granular and talk about specific practices she's following, like what she's eating, how she's spending her time, whether or not she dated after a divorce that she went through. She shares her thoughts on death and talks about how she moved through some of her darkest moments, including being teased at school, 
losing her daughter when her daughter was 50 to cancer and a divorce after 46 years of marriage. Gladys shares her five L's for a well-lived life. And I can't tell you, I mean, literally everything she said was just this perfect audio clip, something that I feel you will hold in your heart. This conversation is warm, rich, beautiful, and nourishing. And I hope that you can take a moment to press pause in your day or to really let her messages sink in and soak in. It's rare when we get the opportunity to speak to somebody who has lived through so many seasons of life and to speak to somebody who is so self-aware and so rooted in the practices that she teaches is very, very special. So without further ado, I'm so thrilled to welcome Dr. Gladys McGarry to the show. Fast forward to the end of 2024. Think of your goals for a second. What can you do right now to give yourself the best chance of succeeding? If you want to learn a new language, you absolutely should get Babbel. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that really don't help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversation, and Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teachings so you're ready to practice what you learned in the real world. If you're heading to another country, anytime soon, start using Babbel a few weeks before you go to learn basics like how to order food, ask for directions, speak to merchants without having to consult language apps while you're away. So fun. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash raw beauty talks. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash raw beauty talks. That's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L com slash Rules and restrictions may apply. This episode is brought to you by Lola V, an award-winning hair care line founded by the fabulous Jennifer Aniston. Jen got tired of the same old struggle we all face, choosing between hair products that work and ones that are actually good for us. With Lola V, that dilemma is history. We all put our hair through the ringer. That's why it's crucial to have products that not only repair the look of the damage, but also shield your locks from future harm. Enter Lola V's bestsellers, the Glossing Detangler and the Perfecting Leave-In Conditioner. They're your hair's new best friend. Friends. For a limited time, you get 15% off your entire order at lolavie.com. Just use the code RAWBEAUTYTALKS at checkout. Lolavie is all about naturally derived plant-based goodness, no silicone, sulfates, parabens, or gluten, and of course, cruelty-free and vegan. That's 15% off your order at lolavie.com with promo code RAWBEAUTYTALKS. You can only use one promo code per order and discounts can't be combined. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Tell them I sent you a over. Well, it truly is such an honor to have you here today, Dr. Gladys McGarry. I am so excited to talk about your new book and to talk about some of the things that you have learned in your 102 years here on earth. To begin, I would love it if you could, in your own words, because I've got this beautiful bio written about you, but if you could just tell me who you are. Tell me a little bit about yourself. 
Well, I'm a person who was born and raised in India and educated up until the age of 15 in the Himalayas and in the jungles of North India and thought my life was idyllic up to a point. (laughs) But I knew it when I was two that I was a physician because my parents were physicians and I was, they were my colleagues. I felt like <laughs> that we understood with each other. And uh, I went to college in Ohio, in medical school in Pennsylvania during the war, and started a practice in Ohio for nine years, and then came out here to Phoenix for in 1955, and have been here ever since. Wow. And uh, it's been a amazing trip in all kinds of experiences. So I'm happy to share what we can from the things that we've learned, that I've learned. I can only imagine starting in India and ending up where you are today, you're still practicing medicine. Is this correct? I I don't have a license now, so I just can be a consultant. But you are known as the mother of wellness and somebody who obviously just so naturally embodies all of this. You said since the age of two, you felt aligned with this work. Yeah, we started the American Holistic Medical Association in 1973, but it took us two years to figure out how to spell it <laughs> because <laughs> the, the word that we were looking for we finally realized the root word was health, healing, and holy. Mm. So it had to be holistic, had to be spelled with an H. Wow. I was going to ask you, what does holistic healing mean to you? Well, the whole concept, well, let me go back a bit. When I learned about medicine when I the, in medical school, what I learned about was about the body and about the mind. We knew something about the mind. But there was nothing in our teaching about the spirit. And having grown up with parents who knew where where our energy came from and where our inspirations came from and our whole life juice came from, they didn't know that they knew it, but they knew it. And I knew it when I was in medical school, enough so that I was sent to the psychiatrist two different times. (laughs) Why? Why? Why did they send you to the psychiatrist? I was woo-woo, you know? (laughs) You were woo-woo before it was trendy to be (laughs) woo-woo. Yeah. (laughs) Where does life juice come from? Where does life force come from? Inspiration. We are energies in ourselves, and that energy has what I call a physician within us, the inner core of our being, which is our true humanity, who knows why we're here, what we're here to do this lifetime, which area of life we want to choose. And it's totally up to our decision, minute by minute, as to whether we go that path or we not. It's a constant, you know, are you paying attention? (laughs) I love that. I think that there are are a lot of people listening right now who may feel out of alignment in some way in their life. You know, maybe they went to college and they've 
followed their parents' wishes or they needed a paycheck and so they're doing something and and they just know, they just know in some way, shape or form that something in their life is a little bit out of alignment. Yes, I think there's so much fear and anger and hatred in the world that it can color everything that we do or not. But the or not is what we can choose. Because if we choose not to be colored by that, then we can take the opposite road, which says, okay, if I'm not going to color my world this way, then I will try and work towards having light and love and healing and things that I think are important, but that make me feel like I, I'm, I'm doing something and I'm alive. So when you talk about purpose or life energy or connecting to self, it's less about what job we're doing, like what occupation we're doing, perhaps, and more about the way that we are being and existing in life. Absolutely. Even in the field of medicine, it doesn't really matter what modality you're using, whether it's osteopathy, homeopathy, conventional medicine, or whatever. It's the attitude with which you present yourself as the person that's helping. The, let me tell you a story. My eldest son is a retired orthopedic surgeon. And when he had finished his training, he was ready to go to Del Rio, Texas to start his practice. But he came through Phoenix and he said, Mom, I'm, I'm really scared. He said, I'm going to go into the world. I'm going to have people's lives in my hands. I don't know if I can handle that. And I said, well, Carl, if you think that you're the one that does the healing, you have a right to be scared. But if you can understand that you can do this amazing job of orthopedic surgery, which helps so many people, and then support the patient as they do their own healing, you have nothing to be afraid of. So he's retired. He's happy. He's living on six acres of land up in Washington and raising, you know, whatever kind of animals he chooses. And and he, he's a master gardener. You know, it, it doesn't matter what you are doing. You may be a dishwasher who has a very happy point of view washing dishes and or a mother at home taking care of messy diapers. It's the attitude that you bring mm -hmm. to the work. Because that brings it right back to you. And then you're not doing uh, something that's a big drudgery. You're doing something because it gives you bliss. It gives you what your juice is all about. Do you have any advice or tips for those who are going through challenging times, like I know I've had moments with my kids where oh, yeah. I love them with my whole heart, but I'm like, this is, this is not bringing me joy. You know, like you just have these moments where you're, you're tired or you're not in that space of joy, or maybe you're having that tough month at work or not feeling aligned. What practices best support you in coming back into alignment with that inner juice, that inner life, that gratitude that you're talking about? You know, we all have times like that. We all have times where we think, I, I don't know if I can get up this morning, mm -hmm. or I don't know if I can take another step. 
But I, I kind of think that we all have like a, a little flashlight. If we're walking along a path that's dark and, and dreary and scary, we do have that flashlight. We, it's our choice. We can look for the light. Mm. And if we look for the light, it takes us one step. But it doesn't take us any farther than that. It takes us to the next step. And then it takes us to the next step. So it's not like getting out of these dark places. Sometimes it does. Sometimes there's a whoo, there's a flash of light and you can get it and you know it and this is it. But sometimes it's taking one step at a time until the light gets brighter and, and finally you say, oh yeah, yeah, I can get this now. Mm. And you wake up in the morning singing. Oh, I love that. I just went through about a, a year and a half ago, a really rough period of time with anxiety and what you just described, you know, the way that I got out of it, it was one step at a time, one practice, one breath, one gratitude and slowly, but surely, you know, the healing happens and it's still happening if I'm being honest. Oh yeah. Yeah. And making, you know, the thing is that life has to move. If it isn't moving, it gets stuck and it gets stuck if it doesn't have any place to go. So if it's going up like like a plant, a trellis, if it has a trellis to climb, it can move. And amazing things happen when you are doing that. Like a few years ago, I found out about femifestation. Do you know about no, femifestation? please tell me. I've never even heard the word. Well, it. Uh, I had a friend She's a psychic and so on, but we, I was sharing my dreams with her and all of that. And we were talking about manifestation. And she says, well, you know, I think that there should be another word in our dictionary. She says, manifestation is a good word. We need to manifest. But we don't have anything to, that talks about femifestation. She says, we women are femifesting all the time but we and then we manifest it's like life and love love is like a little seed and it has a shell around it and it's in the, it can be in the pyramid there for 5000 years and nothing happens until love activates it water and paying attention to it and so on when that happens the two of them join together like a sperm and an ovum, and then they become alive, and life moves, and life has to move. And the, I've got five L's that I think are important. The first are two, life and love. They join together. They're they start the whole thing. Then there's laughter. Laughter without love is cold. It's mean. It's cruel. But laughter with love is happiness and joy. Those diapers, okay, you take care of them, yes. you know. But then the, so the fourth one is drudgery. It's, I have to go to work. There are too many diapers. You know, it's that, I, and you drag yourself through it, but you go through it. But labor with love is bliss. Mm. It's why you're doing why you're doing. It's why I do what I do. It's why a singer sings. It's why a painter paints. And the fifth L is listening. 
Listening without love is empty sound. It's a cloning glang. But listening with love is understanding. So these five L's kind of put down some markers along the road as to what we're doing and have been very helpful for me. So just to repeat back, those five L's are life, love, laughter, labor, and listening. Right. I'm so curious to know from somebody who is 102, what are some of the pillars of wellness that you feel have most supported you in your longevity? Because right now when I open TikTok or Instagram, there are a lot of wellness things that I should be doing. You know, I should be cold plunging and meditating and moving my body this way and nope, moving my body that way and putting my legs up and sleeping eight hours, nope, sleeping four hours and I should grow my hair out or I should actually cut my hair or I should, you know, like the list (laughs) is endless, Gladys. I could have a full-time job just trying to be well. You do have a full-time job. I do. I do. And I help people do it too. That's right. You're exactly right. (laughs) Because they're always choices, you know, choice is important. But one of the most important things is to keep moving. Really, people think that a doctor sends them home to rest, that that means they go home and they don't do anything. Mm. No, resting is moving. You have to sleep. That's part of the movement. Your body needs that. Put it in context with what you're doing and then go on about the rest of what you have to move. But so many people get stuck when they are told something that a physician tells them or somebody that they respect tells them, and they think, that's what I have to do. And they focus in on that, and they stop their juice. It's not what you have to do. It's what the physician within you is saying to you, now, okay, you've had your rest, get up and move. And maybe you just have to get to the bathroom for pity's sakes, Mm -hmm. but get up and move and do the thing that has, that comes next, do your laundry, whatever. But it's the idea that your energy is there to be used. If you don't use it, it dries up. You can't bank it like money. So when you're talking about moving, do you just mean physically move, moving your body or is it energetic movement as well? Like, is it movement through our words and the way that we are being as well? It's all of that. Mm. It's moving who you are. And it may just be just getting up because you may have been stuck and that's the next step. Right. But if it isn't, if it's picking up a book that's just foolishness, but you just need to read something that don't mean nothing to nothing with nobody. You know, I mean, yeah. it's just that kind of something that you got to do because you've got a funny bone and you need to tickle it or something. You know, it, it's what you are asking from within yourself is what you want to do. Maybe you just want to look at a flower outside. Go do it. One thing I keep hearing you say over and over again or inviting people to do is to look inward, 
to ask their inner physician to check in with themselves. Do I need a funny book right now? Do I need to look at a flower? Do I need a cold plunge? Sometimes I feel like that's great. Do I feel called to put something else out into the world? Do I feel called to connect with somebody and to continue moving in that direction? Sometimes it's a huge move. Sometimes life itself can be very, very cruel. And just survival is a move. Yeah. Because you've been in a spot where, for some reason or other, you got this far, and all of a sudden, the whole world, your whole world changes. And then you have to move. And that is a, a tricky spot, too. Because if you get stuck there, that's awfully hard. It's really hard to move yourself out of that really, really painful stuck place. It's sort of like having a cut on your arm and you're picking at the scab so you can't even let it heal. It hurts so bad that you can't let let yourself not hurt because part of what you're feeling is the feeling. But if you can understand that there comes a time when you can stop picking on that scab and you start looking for the healing, not for what you have and how awful it was. That you have to, you can't just get over it. You know, I remember a friend of mine, She, her husband had died two years over, earlier and she came into my office and she said, people are telling me it's time for me to be over it. You can't just get over it. You have to live through it. Mm. And if you live through it, you do get over it. You do get to the other side of it. But you have to take the steps. You have to take the painful reaching out. Sometimes it's reaching out to another person that has done something really terrible to you. And it's not the time to do that. It may be the absolutely wrong time to reach out and work with forgiveness because you're so broken, sometimes you need to get away from the whole thing and let it heal. And then you can start coming back and see what you can do, because you're strong enough then to deal with it. But life is life. And with love, you can do these things. I love the analogy of this wound on the arm. And I think when I've gone through some of my most challenging moments, there has in every situation been an inner desire to heal, but also at the bottom of the barrel, I've had to ask for help and rely on love from others, like somebody to essentially cover the wound with a bandage and to hold my hand away from it, to give it some space to heal. And that feels really hard to do. I find it's really hard to ask for help or to be the one who's no longer caring for and rather accepting the care. But it's been very powerful in my own healing journey. Well, you know, we all need each other. We're not in this world alone. If we were, we wouldn't be mothers. But since we are in this world and we do need each other, it's sharing the hurts as well as the joys with each other. It's what love's all about. When I was working on this, a friend of mine and I spent two hours one day trying to say the word 
that is about love, that, that, that would explain to people what love is. And we couldn't come up with it. There have been songs written about it. There are paintings about it. The life has been talking about it forever. We couldn't find a word that would talk about love. We realized that what was missing was if a person had not ever experienced love, they would never know what it was. And I'm beginning to think that some of the killings in the, in our schools around here may be young men who have never experienced love because, and they have never experienced death. Because if you've watched TV and have seen a person and they died, then you see he came up the next day and you saw him again and then you saw him again. As you grew up, people just come back. So death means nothing. If they've had a pet, pet that's died, if they've had a parent that died, if they had something, loved one, where they had truly experienced love and that person died, they would know what they were doing. Mm -hmm. I think they just don't know. There's a disconnection. And so, you know, I have a, I have a thing that I would love to see happen. Instead of guns in the classroom, I'd love to see dog, guardian dogs in the classroom. Mm. If there was a dog in the classroom, the children in that classroom would know something about love because that's what dogs do. And I bet you we could turn things around a hundred percent. What a beautiful idea. And so simple. But and you know what it would do? It would create a whole new profession. You'd have to have dogs that were bred hypoallergenic. You'd have to have trainers that knew how to train the dogs. You'd have to have the teachers learn about dogs. I mean, the world would have to learn about dogs. We have therapy dogs. We have dogs that do all kinds of amazing healing work. Mm -hmm. Why don't we use them in the classroom? Kids love dogs. Kids would be learning compassion and how to care yeah. for another, and it would probably change the whole energy in the entire room. Yep. I'm curious if you have gone through a really difficult, dark time in your life, or if you've always felt very connected to life source. You, I, I believe you have six children. Is that correct? Yeah. yeah. Like, did you ever have any really hard moments when you were growing your <laughs> practice, raising six kids? <laughs> I've had so many hard times. My first two years in school were a disaster. I was dyslexic. I didn't know it, but I couldn't read or write. I was a class dummy. It was just awful. It was when I went and got into third grade that the teacher finally saw something in me that was that I didn't have to read. I could talk. I could uh, organize things and do some other things. So she appointed me as class governor. This was in India. So, you know, but those first two years imprinted me so deeply about how unimportant my voice was and what anything I said that I was 93 before I realized that I had a voice that people could listen to. I was, in the meantime, I'd written books and I'd spoken and so on, but that deep autologous injury was there and then, after 46 years of marriage, all of a sudden my husband asked for a divorce and threw me into the 
wilderness as far as I was concerned. But I, fortunately, my youngest daughter was a physician. She had just joined our practice, and we went on and started our own practice again, and, and life went on. But I, I thought the world had ended. And I remember after weeks of, of screaming in the desert when I, I, the coyotes were howling and I was howling too. <laughs> but I was driving home one day to the home that we had had, just telling God how, how awful I think it was. And, and he didn't understand anything about what I was going through and all of this kind of thing. And suddenly I pulled my car over to the side and I stopped it. And I said, what are you doing? You know, what, what's this all about? And I, and I talked to myself and finally the, the scripture reading, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us be, rejoice and be glad in it. So I said, okay, okay, I got it. I got it. And I made my license plate, be glad. So the rest of the time I'm in the a practice of medicine, my license plate in my car said, be glad. But it didn't mean I had not been through the valley of the shadow of death. Wow. When <laughs> you're 102 on a book tour, doing this launch and releasing this gorgeous book that you've written, how's your energy feeling? Well, I have two sons here in my house. The one's a retired preacher, and the other one is still a practicing psychologist. And these two guys right now are helping me with the technology, helping me with the laundry. One of them's out getting groceries right now. I have six children. My eldest daughter died when she was of breast cancer when she was 58, and I thought the world was ending, mm. but that we go on. And it's a an amazing trip to be having the ability to actually look at you and talk to you at this time. And I would not be able to do it if I did not have my community. And my community is my Joy and my vision is to have a village for living medicine where the whole village is committed to love and reasonableness and working together and the understanding that we're all human beings. And there are a lot of critters around that are very, very important to us, you know, uh, I have never figured out why the mosquito is important, but. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to say that you've really created that village around you and that it's such a testament to who you are, that your children are there by your side and supporting you through this and helping you with laundry and groceries and launching this and the technology behind it. I mean, it just speaks so much to who you are as a mother and as a woman. Thank you. Your book, The Well-Lived Life, what's it about? My other books were about, about what I felt was the kind of medicine that I was practicing. This is a book about why I'm doing it. Mm. It's about what I think we are here to do as humans. You see, I think when the world was created and God 
gave us dominion over the earth, and we got very proud, and we thought that said the same as dominance. Mm. And so we dominated the earth and have really been <laughs> cruel to Mother Earth. But I think that our job is to reclaim our true humanity, which is the part of our being that says we have dominance because we love the earth. All the parts of it, even the sinking sand and the mud holes and all of this is part of the whole process of life and that we were given life. And that happened because of love. So if you put the whole creation story together, it kind of is talking about femifesting and manifesting, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And I love this analogy as well of the earth and the, the sinkholes and the sinking sand and the mud pits as all being part of the story, all being part of life. Right, right. right. And, and you know, I meant to say too, manifesting is like a ladder. You climb a ladder, you accomplish something. Femifesting is like a spiral. You can be on the fifth row and know what's going on at the second row. Mm. And together, they are essential. Mm, I love that. I don't feel like we can talk about life without discussing death. And I'm curious to know, for you, are you scared of death? What do you think happens after you die? I think we still go on. I think our spirit, I, I think it's like moving into a dream and becoming aware of the parts of our memory lane that are still active within us. Mm. I expect that I probably meet my daughter back again, maybe, but maybe she's, I think she's back here on this. Well, Do you? you, know, you? Do you, you think she's back? <laughs> yeah. In human form or something else? I think I know who she is. Really? So, Someone close mm-hmm. to you? or? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh, I love that. And my, my sister, I don't know where. But, you know, I they're real to me still. Yes. And it's not like they died and went away. Like, you know, they lived and we lived together and we experienced things together and we have these amazing memories that we go down memory lane with and even the whole business with my husband I finally realized I could continue suffering or not because if I looked at what we had done together created the American Holistic Medical Association all of these things together it was a wow and I was so impressed with what the work that we had done together I could really accept that. Or I could say, yeah, but he broke it all up. Well, he did. But so now I figure I could, I have all of that to think about and, and work with and go down memory lane anytime I want to and figure out he took a vacation. I mean, it's his problem at this point and not mine. So to me, death does not mean the person is gone. They're gone at this dimension, like, well, like my one son's at the grocery store right now, okay? Mm -hmm. I can't touch him. This one I can touch here. Mm -hmm. 
I love this. Gone in one dimension, but always accessible via memory lane. And perhaps the soul lives on in a form of reincarnation within something or someone that is actually truly here today as well. Yep. Okay, I know that the people are going to want to know some specifics, Gladys. Like, uh-huh. are you vegetarian or vegan? No. Or so you do no. you you live holistically with and want to care for planet Earth and the and the critters, but there right. also is some acknowledgement of the fact that that's part of your diet. Yes. Yeah. No, I I eat food, and there are times like when I was in Afghanistan. I didn't like the food particularly, but it was all I had, so I ate what I ate. Being aware of what is there at the time and what I can eat that I choose to eat. Three times a day, I choose what I choose. I eat raisin bran and prunes in the breakfast and, you know, stuff like that. And the other, sometimes what some other things are available, I eat those. I don't drink alcohol. You don't. I don't smoke. Okay. I don't do a lot of things that are harmful to my digestion or my sinuses or my ears. I really love this body. I'm I'm pretty proud of that it's still here. You should be proud. You should be. It's incredible. Yeah, so I I want to take care of it. Mm-hmm. And so I try to get nine, eight or nine hours of sleep, but I, I'm up and down and up and down, and sometimes I don't. And so I follow the memory lane during the night and do what I have to do. And so it's, I live my life. And I, and I have amazing people. I have a little house that I built in the backyard of my daughter, who's a physician, still working. And she and her husband live in the front yard, and we have a life. Wow. How old is your daughter who's working as a physician? She's 66. She is. Yes. And she's going strong still, Mm -hmm. of course. She's thinking about retirement now, but she's still working. She has a partner in practice, and and it's, you know, she has two sons, Mm -hmm. and her youngest son, he's in a... um, hospital emergency room and his wife is an emergency room doctor and wow those lines of healing run deep in your family you know some families are singers some families are teachers some people you know yes i think people choose the family that they go into because they have something to add to it and something to add to this life have you ever done drugs have I ever done what? Drugs, <laughs> like in the 60s, or plant-based medicines are seeing this resurgence, like mushroom journeys or ayahuasca or anything like that? No, I, I don't see any need for it. No, you go within. You go within and find the answers there. Yeah. Love it. I'm not against conventional medicine. Yes. I have an artificial hip. Because at one point I was not walking well and I got it. So I, it's like I told my son, we have to work together. The physician in works with the physician without. We're colleagues. Mm-hmm. I think that's so important that there's a time and a mm-hmm. place for, 
for all forms of medicine that we have today. And we're so lucky to live in a time where there's access to it. After you and your husband split, did you ever date again? No, people asked me and I, (laughs) I wasn't interested in any other man. And they said, well, maybe you could have a younger man. (laughs) And I said, why would I want to do laundry for a young I've raised four sons no thank you (laughs) you have so much love in your heart too that you're constantly sharing with others and and have created such a beautiful full life for yourself so profound I cannot wait to read your book and to hear your story. And just, I'm going to leave for everyone down below the link to that. And also the link to some of the wonderful videos that I've seen of you speaking and sharing your wisdom and your work with the world. I absolutely adore you and have just let all of your wise words and everything that you've gathered during your time on this life really sink in. If you could leave a message with women of the world, you're going to send them an email, uh, write them a note, and they would get it tomorrow morning, and it was your last message. What would you say? Find your own juice and glory in it. Find your own juice and glory in it. All right? Turn inward. Uh Use this as an invitation to take a deep breath and notice what's the kindest thing you can say to yourself right now. What's that inner physician, that inner knowing, needing the next step? We don't have to look super big picture here. Just the next step. Follow that lead. Follow that flashlight. That's right. Gladys, you are an absolute delight. Thank you. I'm just so glad to be able to share your message with the world. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for taking the time to listen to this week's episode. Please take a moment to rate, review, or follow on your favorite podcast app, and share this episode with someone that you think could benefit. Join the Raw Beauty Talks community at Raw Beauty Talks. And remember, it's your story, your body, your mind, and your journey. So think about what resonates with you and leave the rest behind. I'll see you next week. Do you ever feel like you're struggling through motherhood? You're not alone. I'm Erica Jossa, host of the MomWell podcast, therapist and mom of three. Join me each Wednesday as I sit down with guests, including psychologists, pediatricians, psychiatrists, fertility specialists, lactation consultants, and more to unravel the myths of motherhood. With expert advice, practical tips, self-love, and some coping skills to help you along the way, you can become the mother you want to be. Listen to the MomWell podcast at momwell.com slash listen or on your favorite podcast platform.